from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. We're just this close, this much closer, Mark Bergen, to legalized sports betting in the state of North Carolina. And we're this gonna ha- much closer. And we're gonna have it. we're gonna have WRL sports investigative reporter Brian Murphy on. And whenever Murph appears anywhere now, we're gonna just have to have that song ready, queued up, ready to go. Well, we let's go to right to it. Let's go right to the Heaster Automotive Group hotline. Let's bring on Brian Murphy. Brian Murphy, can I bet today? Yes, right? Yes. Don't no, you? no, you cannot. Yeah, bet I, today. okay. I know that. I know I can't bet I like, today. I like that walk-up music, though. I, that, I like that that is one hundred percent your walk-up music from now on. <laughs> Graham, mark that down. That's your walk-up music. All right, Brian Murphy, WREL sports investigative reporter, joining us here in the Heath Automotive Group hotline. So the Senate twice this week said, "Yeah, legalize sports gambling. It goes through." By all indications, what the the state Senate just passed. Has to go back to the House of Representatives. By all indications, the House is going to concur. They're going to pass this. So, what's next? What's what? What's the next step for this after the House approves it next week? Yeah, the House Speaker said that they are going to concur uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. Then it will go to the Governor. And uh, Roy Cooper has been very supportive of sports gambling throughout this entire process. So I don't think they'll run into any problems there. And then, and then it's law, and then okay. it's law. But but that doesn't mean you can bet. Uh, the bill does not take effect, or, or the first possible date for bets would be January eighth, twenty twenty four. So about seven months away from now. Um, but uh, because there's some concerns about how quickly the lottery commission can award these twelve licenses and get this up and running, they the bill includes language that would give them up to a one year from when it becomes law. So till next June at some point uh, to get it up and running. Now, I, I think they're going to push and try to hit that January 8th date or somewhere right around that January 8th date. Um, but just know that this could this could go on for at least another year before bets are legal in North Carolina. I didn't want to hear that. I didn't want to <laughs> hear that. Okay, so it has the State Lottery Commission, when you talk about these, these licenses, we're also – all right, so sports – these sports gambling companies, BetMGM, FanDuel, DraftKings, you know, Caesars, all these places. Why is it only 12? Like, why can't it be open to more? That's a good question. And some people argued that it should be open to more, that this is creating kind of a monopoly. Now, you, you want those licenses to have some value. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, char- they're charging a million dollars for each of those licenses. Oh, wow. So if you, if you gave out 60 of them, maybe they wouldn't be worth a million dollars. But um, So I think they're trying to – you know, keep some constraints on it, but at the same time, uh, have enough licenses. Uh, it's not two or three licenses where it's talking 12. So have enough that there is enough competition in the market without diluting the value of the licenses. I think that's the rationale behind the 12. Murph, I hope they've given you a cot down on Jones street. Cause I feel like you've been there all week this week. If this gets passed, uh, House Speaker Tim Moore has mentioned the possibility of building four entertainment districts. Do you have any idea of where those four entertainment districts could be? Sure, and that's that's separate from this. But the, those are we're talking about full brick and mortar Vegas style casinos that mm-hmm. the legislature is now talking about putting in. Uh, economically distressed is probably the best term for it. Uh, parts of the state, so Wake County's not getting one. Mecklenburg County's not getting one. Oh come on. Um, uh, the three three counties that have been specifically mentioned, and this was in a survey, and I asked him more about it today, and he said, well, you're very good at geography. Um, Rockingham County, Anson County, and then Nash County. Nash County is where Rocky Mount is. 
Uh, Rockingham County is right by Danville, Virginia, and I yeah. don't think that's a coincidence given that they've, they're putting a casino, Caesars is putting a casino in Danville, Virginia, that North Carolina lawmakers are very worried is going to pull a lot of North Carolina residents up there. Uh, Senator Berger told a, sort of an anecdotal story that a friend of his went there and said 80% of the license plates were North Carolina hmm. license plates. Wow. This is just the temporary facility. This isn't the full casino that's actually going to go in Danville. So I think they're looking at it as an economic development tool. What are parts of the state that have lagged behind? Um, you know, we've seen tremendous growth here in, in the Triangle. We've seen tremendous growth in, in Mecklenburg County and Charlotte. But there are parts of the state that, that are not doing as well. Um, and then you think about the western part of the state is kind of choked off from casinos because they already have the Cherokee Casino there. So uh, what parts of the state are economically disadvantaged? and um, not really in the home market of another casino. So that's why I think some of those counties I just mentioned are, are places to look for where these entertainment districts might go. Brian Murphy, WRL Sports investigative reporter, joining us here on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline alongside Mark Bergen, Dennis Cox here with you. Now, something we talked about sports books at physical locations. For example, locally here, PNC Arena is, a, is a, a, the, the site that keeps popping up. You talked to Centennial Authority Chairman Philip Isley, or he t- talked to the board, the Centennial Authority board. Looks like we might not just have one sports book at PNC, but but, but two. Yeah, this is how's that really going to work? <laughs> this is really interesting. I've I've read through the bill time and time again, and I don't. I'm not sure I have a clear answer on it, but I've been told that if you read the language, you you can put a facility, a sports book on your facility. So mm-hmm. in your facility, and then you can put one up to a half a mile away. Oh, a okay. half mile radius. So. Uh, what, what Isley told the board during the public part of their hearing today was that there could be one in PNC Arena and then one off-site, but somewhere on their property. And and they could both be operating. Uh, probably the outside one would be open 24-7. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not sure every facility. There, there was about eight in-person facilities. There are eight in-person facilities that would be able to have sports books. I'm not sure all of them would be able to have two sports books just because of space and, and other constraints. But sure. But PNC Arena does look like, you know, obviously it has a lot of room outside. Uh, the Hurricanes have talked about developing that land. So we could be seeing a situation where there might be even up to two uh, sports books at uh, PNC Arena. And you'd be able to bet in-person cash money at these sports books. I've called them sports lounges for a long time because you would have to have the app uh, in order to bet. You'd have to have your cell phone. But under the new bill, the, the one that passed the Senate is going to likely become law. Uh, you would be able to walk into that, a sports book at PNC Arena and, and put a twenty dollar de- bill down on on the Carolina Hurricanes. No questions asked. So conceivably, you'd be able to place a bet even if you're not going to the game. So like if I'm tailgating, say, outside of the arena, outside Carter Finley Stadium, I'd be able to go to this facility. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, that's one hundred percent correct. I mean, you'd be able to pull out your phone and place a bet on your phone, sure. you know, anytime, probably at halftime of the game, at in the first quarter of the game. Um, but but these facilities will be open, uh, and and part of that is the activation, right? They, it's a kind of a corporate buzzword, but they want the building activated. They want people coming to the building more than just when Carolina Hurricanes are playing or when NC State men's basketball is playing or you know in PNC or at Bank of America Stadium. Just there, there's only ten you know, Panthers games a yeah. year between the preseason and the regular season. Now I know they have other events there, but they want more people coming to these facilities. The facilities cost a lot of money. Uh, they want more people coming out to them. And if there's a great restaurant and bar and sports book there, they think this is a way to, to bring more people out to those arenas. Brian Murphy, WRL sports investigative reporter. This gets into my next thing. I know you and I have had a conversation with Philip Isley of the Centennial Authority, the chairman there. 
about the development around PNC Arena and sports gambling and all this stuff was it all ties in together. The the upgrades to the arena, sports betting being legalized, it all ties together. Did did Isley mention anything about how this would maybe speed up the process with the negotiations with Tom Dundon and the Carolina Hurricanes about getting the upgrades around PNC that they're looking for? Yeah, I mean, all this stuff does tie together. You know, there's those long those are long term lease negotiations happening right now. The the board got an update on those. We did not. We were not allowed in that part mm. of the meeting. Um, we were just told that that talks are progressing and they're, and they're making progress. Um, but yeah, you know the city and the, and the county have to come together with money for the renovations. Um, the the long term lease is important. The development rights to the area around PNC are very important. And and you know so all this kind of works together. And I'm mm-hmm. not sure who has to go first, but certainly I think having the sports book is something that the Hurricanes wanted desperately. Don Waddell, uh, in addition to trying to build a, a Stanley Cup champion hockey team, has been at the legislature meeting with lawmakers. Uh, you know, before the session started, trying to explain to them why it's so important that North Carolina get sports betting, that it's a huge revenue stream that the Hurricanes cannot take advantage of right now, but other rivals in the NHL can. Yep. Um, and so they they have pushed very hard on this. This is a this is a win for lots of supporters in the in the legislature and others, but maybe the biggest win is for the professional sports teams in the state that have pushed this for years and years. And how much money are we talking about in terms of money left on the table of, okay, right now online sports gambling isn't legal in North Carolina compared to a state that has pro sports teams where they have a book already inside the stadium or the arena? How much money are we talking, Murph? Yeah, the projections are that that um, within five years of this bill getting implemented and, and the licenses being awarded and, and everybody getting up to speed that we could be looking at about a hundred million dollars in tax revenue for the state of North Carolina and about seven billion dollars bet. So that, that would be a hundred million dollars for the state and about a seven billion dollar handle. Um, now obviously you know they have to pay out their winnings so that's not all profit for, for the sports gambling mm-hmm. operators but at, at an 18 percent tax rate if you do the math and, and the state's getting a hundred million that the operators would be getting close to 600 million uh, from gambling in North Carolina. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of cash being <laughs> floating around. Brian Murphy, WREL Sports Investigator Reporter, joining us here in the Houston Automotive Group Hotline. Thanks for your time. Check out his work on WREL.com and WRELSportsFan.com to keep up with the latest. Thanks for your time. We'll definitely uh, we'll definitely talk to you in the near future about all this. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Dennis. Again, that's Brian Murphy joining us here on the Houston Automotive Group Hotline. Your heart. It's the only one you have. Fortunately, you also have a choice. Expert cardiologists, talented surgeons, highly skilled specialists, all of whom chose WakeMed. Why? The main reason is the same reason patients choose WakeMed. Everything you need for the best possible care is right here. Learn more at WakeMed.org. WakeMed Heart and Vascular Physicians. Your heart, your choice. So, yes, this is where things tie in. This is why you mentioned about the Centennial Authority and, and PNC Arena. The upgrades that want that people in the Centennial Authority, Tom Dundon and the, and the Carolina Hurricanes, what they want around PNC Arena, the sports gambling bill, that stuff being passed, that all ties in with this. If you can have an outside sports book facility where you can still add restaurants and other entertainment there, it's an attractive place for people beyond just the games. Yes. And that's what they want to have. And you can make pennies and nickels and dimes on the dollar that you're making from the TV revenue 
that you're getting for people that will tune in to watch from the TV contracts. Mm -hmm. It's where the lion's share of the money is made. But if I can add, okay, if I can add as a business standpoint, if I can add more money onto what I'm making, it's only going to help the business from the business standpoint. And if you talk about the, for example, the Carolina Hurricanes and going on the ice. If Carolina is able to, as the Hurricanes are able to help generate money and revenue for themselves because of this, they can upgrade their facilities, give the Hurricanes, the the players themselves, and and the staff more of the facilities that they need to have at PNC Arena. Whether it's they need to upgrade in the locker room, they need other things off the ice that can help improve them for what they do on the ice. And think about how passionate the fans are mm-hmm. here. You have a better fan experience as well. I know with that, you know, ticket prices go up and everything. Sure. But you compare to what some of the other teams in the league have and you look at their facilities of, okay, what are other teams that are doing it right to create the best possible fan experience to where if I want to fork over the money to go to a game with my friends and family, am I going to have the best possible experience while I'm there? This is just yet another revenue stream for you talk about to any of you talk to any of the the front office folks over whether it's the Carolina Hurricanes, the Carolina Panthers, you want to be able to keep pace with the other teams in your league yeah. that, in your league that are already doing this to mm-hmm. where in other states sports gambling, online sports gambling is already legal. This is just providing yet again another another revenue for adding an, a, a revenue stream. And it's it's really, really important because you've got to be able to keep paces. It's keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah, that's what it is, Dennis. That's, that's really what it is. And also, could you imagine if there's an outside sports book outside PNC Arena? Where we when don't even have to go to the game. Like, that would be incredible. Well, here's the thing as well is that that's going to be open when State is playing football at Carter-Finley. So – you don't okay. You don't want to download the apps or any of that kind of stuff and have an account with you know FanDuel or DraftKings or whomever it may be. I got ten bucks in my pocket. I can just go right here to the sports book, bet on NC State playing Notre Dame that noon kickoff. I you know what? Just walk over there real fast. I can put down ten bucks on whatever thing I want to have that ticket. Oh, and afterwards, hey, I won. I can walk over there and cash it in. Like that's that's something yeah. that you could be get able to do Get another round, well. get some dessert. <laughs> whatever, <laughs> you know what? You can enjoy the rest of your night or yeah. you know whatever it is that you want to do. So that's something that is again, the upgrades around PNC Arena. I know there are a lot of NC State fans who are like, "Hey, that's taking away premium tailgating spots." And I know that's a lot, a lot of state fans and and people around NC State don't want to lose that, but there's more to it than just the six or seven dates that you have for football. And that's what, you know, the logistics of, okay, if it is January the 8th that this bill becomes law, mm-hmm. if it ends up getting approved, and, you know, I'm saying that knocking on wood. Yeah. Again, what the next steps of all of this of, okay, once this bill becomes law, what happens then? And that's why, you know, having Murph on, just great, great perspective of, hey, here are the next steps of all of this. And again, going back to creating the best possible fan experience that you can have because other states are already doing it. Yep. The uh, state of North Carolina is definitely behind in that regard. That's Mark Bergen, Dennis Coxer with you this afternoon on 99.9 The Fan. Graham Hill is producing us. If you missed any of that conversation with Brian Murphy, check it out on the Best of 99.9 The Fan podcast. Again, check out his work on WRELsportsfan.com and as well as WRL.com. Also, make sure you check, catch it on the 99.9 The Fan YouTube page. Make sure you hammer the, and elbow drop those subscribe buttons and those notification bells. That way you don't miss any of these conversations. What do you mean by elbow drop? Can you explain to me what you mean Are you by not, that? You're not a pro wrestling fan? 
I am. I have a okay, but like, okay, what do you mean? So yeah, elbow drop it. Okay. <laughs> but we'll say, pe- well, people's, like, up, people's elbow. Or what, what whatever talk- you want to do, okay. just hit Macho Man Randy Savage elbow okay. drop that. Thing. I just didn't know what you meant. Make by sure that. you just hit the target. That's all. Just <laughs> elbow drop it. I got well, you. Well, a lot of people say like about the common term is smash. A lot of uh, people say like, hit the subscribe button or click it. Like elbow drop it. Okay. Okay. Elbow that, drop it. That's Dennis Cox, ladies and gentlemen. That's me. Yeah. NBA Finals get underway tonight, and it's game one. And I started looking back, uh, just kind of looking around the NBA and the coaching world, something that I've I've talked about a few times this week. We've seen it a lot in the NHL, Mark Bergen. We've seen it a lot in the NBA of coaches who have had success being fired. I'm like, good coaches, coaches who've had, who have had success being fired. And I bring that up because – Monty Williams, who was just let go as the Phoenix Suns head coach, signs on with the Detroit Pistons, signed a six-year contract worth nearly $80 million bucks. It was like $78.5 million. We got to get Graham to cue the money. Yeah, I know. Seriously, <laughs> cue that. But so he got he, – he signed with a new team, got hired by the Detroit Pistons. Joe Mazzula, Brad Stevens, their, their president of operations, formerly their head coach, said, hey, we're going to keep Joe Mazzula this upcoming season. Joe Mazzula is not going to be let go as head coach. Missoula just had his first year as head coach of the Boston Celtics. Yeah, they just lost in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals, but first-year head coach was notified, I think, three days before training camp and practices had started that, hey, by the way, you're going to be the head coach because uh, Emi Odoka couldn't keep his pants up uh, in the, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I started looking back and going, okay, Mike Brown, Sacramento Kings head coach, was named the NBA Coach of the Year this year. But I said, okay, let's go back the previous five years of NBA coaches. History lesson for the listeners this afternoon. Last five years. So the the 2018 season, looking back, the NBA coach of the year, the last five years, not not including this year with Mike Brown. 2018, Dwayne Casey, Toronto Raptors. 59 wins that season. First in the division, lost in the Eastern Conference semis to the Cavaliers and LeBron James, who went on to the NBA Finals. Was fired after that season. After being NBA coach of the year, was fired the year he was NBA coach of the year, 2019, Mike Budenholzer was the Milwaukee Bucks head coach, won the NBA title in 2021. Again, he won the coach of the year in 2019, had five straight division titles, had 58 wins this year, first in the Eastern Conference. Yes, they lost in the first round to the Miami Heat, who's in the finals, but did so with Giannis Antetokounmpo being hurt, Chris Middleton injured, had a family member of his pass away just before the playoffs got started, gets fired after this past season. Nick Nurse, Toronto, won the NBA title in 2019. Now, missed the playoffs the two of the last three years, but also the league, the team got rid of all their good players. <laughs> They're all gone. Kyle Lowry, Kawhi Leonard, all gone, got fired. 2021 NBA Coach of the Year, Tom Thibodeau, New York Knicks head coach, finished third in the division in 2021. Lost in the Eastern Conference semis this year. Missing the playoffs last year. One coach of the year previously in Chicago. Ironically, the one who's had the least amount of success is the one still employed. Go figure. Monty Williams. Lost in the NBA Finals in 2021 to the to the Bucks, who obviously we're talking about Mike Budenholzer. Conference semis in each of the last two seasons. The team this past year traded away all their depth to get Kevin Durant, who got hurt right as soon as he got there. Mm-hmm. Then also had two of his best players get hurt in the playoffs, and again, had no depth, got fired. 
So you look at four of the last five NBA coaches of the year have all been fired. It's like the kiss of death. It's almost like the old Madden curse, Dennis, where yeah. it's like you get put on the Madden cover and it doesn't bode well for your career. You get named NBA head coach of the year and time is ticking. Time, yeah, I, it makes no sense to me. And we always constantly hear about from coaches, whether it's college coaches, high school coaches, professional. We hear from executives about culture, right? It's basically the substitute now for family, all right, in sports. It really is. Talk about culture. What do we hear often with the Carolina Hurricanes, what Rob Brindamore has built there? It's the culture of that team, right? The work ethic, you got to fit into the locker room. Everyone buys in. Everyone loves playing for Rob Brindamore. You have to fit into the culture of the team, right? Well, if you got rid of Rob Brindamore, do you have that culture? Is that there? That's the thing. got to have stability in order to build culture, right? And does change necessarily mean – does change lead to positive outcomes? Because you mentioned Missoula. Celtics won six more games during the regular season this year than they did a year ago yeah. with Ime Udoka. Now, right before the start of the season, he wasn't even on the bench. He was behind the bench before yeah. the season. And it's, oh, hey, here. Oh, okay, you get sent to the principal's office. That principal's not here today. Oh, the assistant principal's not here today. Oh, you're stuck with the guidance counselor. But that for an entire season? Mm -hmm. I credit the Celtics front office for sticking with Missoula. I don't know if it'll help lead the Celtics over the top to where they want to, you know, win an NBA championship again. But is making a change just, are you going to change just for the sake of change? Mm -hmm. Or are you confident that's going to lead to positive results? Because, you know, you could play both sides of this too, Dennis. You could say, well, when the Warriors fired Mark Jackson several years back and they brought in Steve Kerr, that was a big difference in helping the Warriors establish the dynasty that we know today. Yeah. So, but with all of these NBA teams, again, the Celtics were better this season than they were a year ago. I, I almost credit them to say, hey, let's see what, let's run this back and see what we've got in our guy. And let's get multiple years of a sample size to where it's society today where we want instant gratification. We, we want to microwave championships. Yeah. Tying tie things in here locally, right? Hubert Davidson, his first season at Carolina as their head coach. People wanted him out in February. People wanted him out. And then they get to a national championship game. It's funny how that stuff quieted down. But then they struggled this past year. A lot of people want him out, right? Again, stability has to matter. It has to play a factor. Now, if you realize quickly, like, oh, okay, this is bad, then I understand pulling the plug. But, like, for example, Urban Meyer down there in Jacksonville, prime example of get that out of here. Yeah. That was a terrible decision. Matt Rule hung on to that five games too long. Actually, a year and five games too long. But looking back on that in hindsight, but there are people that wanted Keats to go, even though he had to deal with the the, the stuff that happened previously with Mark Gottfried as NC with NC State basketball and the stuff hanging over of the head of, of well we're gonna have NCAA sanctions NCAA you know is gonna take away scholarships potentially whatever it was that stuff was hanging over their head doesn't have to deal with that kind of stuff anymore now well look he makes the NCAA tournament so there's a thing to be said about stability that has to matter and it's, it's amazing to me how not just in the coaching world but just in any profession how quick we are to move on to the next thing so quickly. We always talk about we want to have quality of culture. You can't have quality of culture if you're constantly turning out the people that are in charge. It doesn't work. Yeah. It, there's no. You, you, if you want sustained success, you got to have something to sustain. 
I would take a multi-year sample size as well. I wouldn't just say, oh, it didn't work this one season, and then we're going to up and change for change's sake. Mm-hmm. I always say, okay, if you are an advocate to fire someone, have have a plan ready to go about how things are going to definitively improve. And it might not appear evident right away, but you need to have a plan. Otherwise, it's just we'll see. We'll see how all of this shakes out, especially with with the Celtics. And then you know, here locally, I thought your Hubert Davis, you, you hit it, you hit the nail on the head, Dennis. Sometimes people say, "Oh, we got to get to the next level." Sometimes the next level is actually below where you currently are. That is the next level.